All right. Yeah. Are we? <laughs> I think we're live. Come on okay. now. Oh, what did this do? Let's see. Yeah, I think it's still working. Do do do. Just a second here. Sure. Just trying to confirm if if uh. There we are. We are actually live. All okay. right. Excellent. Ah, uh, yay, technical issues. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they happen every time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is Kofo Live and Undead. I am your host, Daniel Crozier, and I am with the magnificent Dennis Vincent, filmmaker extraordinaire. And Dennis, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Daniel? Oh, wonderful. I love your backdrop. Holy cow. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we're uh, broadcasting live from the uh, Mummy's Tomb. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. Mummy with me, too. He, uh, he's, he's, he's a silent partner, but he's, he's joined me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear he has a lot of rage in him. It's nice that he's so, kind of yeah. simmered down. Yeah, he did. Yeah, well, he got a lot of it out in the movie. I think a lot of that frustration. Now yeah, he's 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 resting. If you saw the movie, I don't know if you've seen it, but I have. I actually, and I should have reached out to you sooner, but I was I was trying to to hunt it down. Um, oh. I, I saw it had a place on uh, on Amazon Prime, and it wasn't mm -hmm. available there. And then it's I was, not now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there, it's actually good news because actually okay. it got picked up by a distributor. So. They had me take it down. So it's going to be uh, put out by Wild-Eyed Releasing. Oh, and, congratulations. Uh, yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, so uh, Rob, uh, and I, if I can say his last name, I think it's um, Hauschild. Yeah, uh, okay. Rob Hauschild. He's, so he's, he's the head of, of, of that company, of mm -hmm. uh, Wild-Eyed Releasing. But they believed in the project, even though I'd already had it up on Amazon. And uh -huh. you know, it was, it was kind of living in obscurity there for a while. And uh, they believed in it, and I think they're going to give it some, you know, hopefully give it some recognition that it deserves. So uh, they really believed in the project, and they wanted to do it. So I was happy about it. So it'll be out September. Um, sometime in September, it'll be out on a DVD and in VOD as well. So, nice. Yeah. That's wonderful. Just in time for my birthday. I love it. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great well and you you directed uh two other uh documentaries too before that right yeah that's how i got my start pretty much i, I think Ooh. some filmmakers do that just because it's it's so much easier because you're not working with actors if you're doing what they call narrative pieces which are you know films that you know with actors and things like that right uh not to say that documentaries can't they do that with their reenactments and stuff and that would involve the same kind of you know narratives that you would need and that's that's really complicated, you know, not, not to say documentary it isn't, it is, but um, it's an easier place to start because you're pretty much doing interviews for the most part, you mm -hmm. know, and it's easier to control, it's more manageable, and it gives you a chance to learn, you know, you cut your teeth on that, learning how to um, put a story together, you know, and, and then get all your reference material and stuff that you're going to need for that interview. Right. Uh, your cutaways and, and B-roll, things like that, what they're talking about. And so it's, it's more manageable than to do a narrative. A narrative is, is a bigger step. 
So I started doing that first. I started doing documentary. So I did two documentaries. And cool. um, and then this is my third film. So Rage of the Mummy is. I I tried, I attempted other films, but they didn't work out uh, for financial reasons mm -hmm. or uh, one, a couple of them were that uh, my lead actress left, <laughs> oh. lost the Hollywood, you know, and this happens, you know, as an independent, you know, you're, you're on a shoestring budget and yeah. it's, it's, you know, it gets expensive and you can't, you don't, you can't control all these things. So it's a lot of work, you know, and, and of all the art forms, uh, film is the most expensive art form there is, you know, unfortunately, you know, and uh, it's one I enjoy, but uh, I just want to do it. And I think as an artist, you, you find out what it is you can express yourself through the best. Some people mm -hmm. are best at expressing themselves through, through dancing. Yeah acting or music or whatever it may be but this is the one i felt i expressed myself the best in uh, but i started off as a painter that's really my background i didn't oh, go to okay nice so yeah what, what kind of painting um i did what they call um you know the uh pop surrealism is really what i'm so it's sort of the lowbrow kind of work you know okay you know, uh kenny scharf and uh Anything that comes out of uh, Juxtapose magazine, yeah, that, that's kind of my genre. That's kind of the, nice. the group that I've put in, been put into. So a little bit of like that outsider art. Yeah, very much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that kind of that kind of thing um, is really what I did. It's what I saw. I went to school for that, and I did get my BFA from the Hartford Art School, and I graduated with that. And I started painting for a while. I did. I did okay with it, but I really needed to go to New York City to do that, and mm. that was something that I really couldn't do at the time. Okay. So, uh, so I thought, okay, so this is how I got into film because I wouldn't even think I was going to do it. Um, I said, all right, well, if I can't go to New York City because I was, you know, living in Connecticut and I uh, had a child already and I was married oh. and my wife didn't want to go, and uh, <laughs> so I said, okay, well, if I can't go up to New York, I think I will probably do. Uh, instructional art videos mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. what i decided to do so i started doing instructional art videos i hadn't got anything done yet i had just started and uh, i was learning how to do it now I, I did take courses up at boston university on uh filmmaking a little bit so it, it was a four-day course so they, nice. they told you how to how to what sound was this here's here's a camera a camcorder at the time because we yeah. used digital tape at the time uh i should give you this is 2004 um, is when I went to this school to learn this, you know. So I took four classes, and with that, I went out and bought everything they had given us at the, uh, you know, in the in the class. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started shooting some instructional art videos, started putting them together. Uh, and then I got interested in monsters, you know, because I didn't really grow up. I, I, I had seen them as a kid, so yeah. I've never, it's like, people think that I was involved with uh, monsterdom since I was a child. Like, oh, okay. I Frank all that, but I really wasn't. I had seen some of these things. But I, I wasn't a fanatic, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I watched a lot. I'd seen film, but that really wasn't something I thought I would go into. Hmm. And uh, there was a, I was looking, I got, you know what really started was Rob Zombie. Um, oh, okay. Now, I liked Rob Zombie's music. <laughs> and I liked him when he was actually in uh, White Zombie. Yeah, back in the and 90s. I started, yeah, right. And I started collecting the music, but I started yeah. looking at the covers and the inside and, the, and their videos. I'm thinking they're covering monsters. So I thought... I'm going to put these monsters into my artwork, you know, like yeah. Frankenstein and all these things. I wanted to do that. And uh, I started doing that. And I started to, when I started painting these monsters, I didn't know anything about them. I didn't, I had never seen some of these movies. Mm. I'd only seen it to that point was Son of Frankenstein. 
okay. and The Wolfman, and I think um, Island of Terror. Those are the only ones that really stood out to me as a kid, and I, and I didn't really know the others. So I started buying these magazines, which was, you know, film, um, you know, the Filmland magazine, Monsters, mm -hmm. famous Monsters of Filmland, yeah. which they had revised again in 92. So yeah. I started going through it. I had never seen these movies, and I started getting fascinated more with the movies than with the artwork that I was doing. Yeah. And so um, uh, then there was uh, – I, I didn't know where to see them, you know, because I knew there was a time they had blockbusters. And uh, I went in, and, and they had some titles, but there was a lot of titles they didn't have like I wanted to see, you know. Yeah. And uh, so uh, one day there was somebody in our town that uh, was showing these movies. They actually showed them on film. They would show a lot of these features. And uh, he ran a museum, um, his own wax museum there in Connecticut. It was called the Witch's Dungeon. So he, what it was was a wax museum that was to um, keep the memories of people like Vincent Price, mm -hmm. Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney, and his own uncle. His uncle was the first werewolf of London, which was Henry Hall. And if you've ever seen that movie, but that was in 1935, I believe. Okay. So he had he was connected to a lot of these some of these stars, and they had supported the museum. Well, once he started showing all these movies that were not at the museum, but they were showing it in the theater, I got to know him. Showed me the, the he showed me his museum and all these things, and I started going. I, I just forgot about my artwork. Yeah. And I said, Would you care if I just did like a 10 minute documentary on your on your museum, the Witch's Dungeon? Mm -hmm. He said, No, not at all. So he knew people like Sarah Karloff, the daughter of, you know, of uh, Boris Karloff. Yeah. The Cheneys, um, oh, you know, Bela cool. Lugosi Jr. We started, I started interviewing all these people, all the, and, and Dick Smith, if you know who Dick yep. Smith is. So he knew Dick Smith who lived actually in Brantford, Connecticut. So he only lived 40 minutes from oh, where I lived. Oh, that's cool. Went down to his house. He showed us all his things. I, we, inter we had a great interview with him. Um, it just went on. The list went on. Pretty soon, we ended up with a two-hour documentary, and that was my first. That was my first movie. So that's what I did. I uh, this was it right here. This was uh, back cool. in two thousand and six. Nice. And, Can you hold uh, it a little bit over to the side? Yep. Oh, okay. cool. Nice. It, back in two thousand and six, and this did quite well. So we had a lot of people. So this is before YouTube. YouTube really came out. What two thousand and five? February two thousand and five. So YouTube yeah. was really um kind of in its infancy so there wasn't a lot of interviews that you would find so that's why i did incredible love we had interviews like i said we actually had christopher lee in this oh sweet christopher lee. so christopher lee's in this and um fresh off of so, uh, lord of the rings and stuff yeah, yeah. right right well and then he's mostly known for the dracula horror right. hammer horror films but right. uh which is what you know he talked about because this was before lord of the rings but, nice uh, so anyway, that, that was the first one. So after that, we started going to, I went with him sometimes to the conventions, the film conventions. I should say fan conventions. They're really not film conventions, you know? Yeah. So things like the monster bash, um, you know, oh, cool. and, uh, uh, many of those was like in Ohio, New Jersey, yeah. we went to Chiller, yeah. uh, places like that. And I just got the bug. I just said, Oh, this is great. Um, so I thought, well, what can I do with the second, my second, movie which would i wanted to do maybe another documentary yeah so i was actually at wonderfest in louisville kentucky it's mm. the largest um what they call um what do they call these they're um they're monster kits but they're um oh the, the model kits model yeah they're they're figure model kits so it's right. the largest convention like little world. resins right and uh we i used to go there 
to 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 that convention. And uh, so the guy who ran the show, which was uh, Dave Conover, he said, "Well, why don't you do one on on the Aurora Monster Model Kits? No one mm-hmm. has ever done a documentary on that." And some people don't know what those are, but anyway, this was the second documentary. This is this if you can see. Yeah, it, you know, that's cool. Okay, so this was the second one called the Aurora Monster Model Kits, and um, it was um, what those were. And if you know some of the history of how the monsters came back, mm-hmm. uh, because these movies were all shot. The early ones were shot in the 30s, yep. right, and up to the 40s. Yep. But when television came in, they were looking for content for their uh, for their programming because TV was new. Yeah. So Universal re- let them re-release them. They licensed these out to all the, you know, all the television stations in the United States. And they said to themselves, well, we don't want these to be too scary because we know the kids. We wanted to market this pretty much for the kids. Hmm. So they started having horror hosts. So that's how horror hosts came around. Okay. So you had Vampira yeah. and Zachary Lee, who Zachary Lee is in this. We, we had Zachary. He was the uh, horror host in New York City. In the 60s, he's the one on all those famous monster magazine covers. Oh, that's and, cool. And uh, so we got him to host this. But uh, they started, uh, so they became famous again. So these, that was a re-release. And then that's when uh, they knew that. So the monster craze started from about 62 to about 64. So it was only around for, for about a couple of years. And they started making model kits because they became so popular with the kids. They wanted some sort of, um, you know, souvenir from those from those movies that we're watching on tv and uh and that's and it was huge i mean I, you don't know how big those those kits are uh now these people now i'm i'm now 57 but i have uh these these things came out because i was only two years old or mm-hmm. one years old when when the monster them actually stopped <laughs> i was born in 63 but anyway you're uh, a spring so chicken are, <laughs> you're a spring chicken Oh, I know. <laughs> so these guys actually, the guys that are about 10 years older than me, mm-hmm. they were the ones that were really into this. So I'm mm-hmm. really too young for that kind of thing. But these, th- this DVD really did quite well. It's yeah. been shown all over the place, and it's done you know, really, really well. And, um, and that was my second one. But at this point, cool. this was in 2010, so it took me some time to get the money that I needed to finance the next film. But yeah. it was well worth it. And uh, but after that, um, I didn't really want to um, do documentary work anymore. I really we had already interviewed so many people mm-hmm. that were going to be for other documentaries we did. It wasn't just for model kits. The, the people that were in this were just people that were pretty much involved with the model kit, um, you know, phenomenon. Uh, like the guy who uh, who painted the covers, James Bama. Yep. And then there was the guy that, that did the who actually sculpted the uh, the tooling and all that that they call it who was in this too, uh, Ray Myers. Nice. And uh, we had interviewed other people. So since this guy had knew other celebrities, we had interviewed a lot of people from the Creature from the Black Lagoon. We interviewed all those people that mm-hmm. were in it um, and in other films and other movies. And I started to like, you know, D. Wallace and, and George Romero. Yep. And, and I started thinking, well, I want to do what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're doing movies that are, you know, with actors and narrative pieces. And I said, that's, that's really what I want to do. Yeah. This was a great start for me, I think for the documentary, but I really want to do my own thing. Cool. And, uh, and so that's what happened. So I moved back to Colorado, which is my home state. I was actually born and raised here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I left here when I was 23. Denver. And I lived out there for about 25 years. And then I came back 
in 2010. So I've been here ever since. Okay. And I had to restart and uh, network with people here and, and and really start to hone my skills as a filmmaker. I kind of learned off their off their projects. You know, they did a lot of short projects, and yeah. I and I learned from that and learned their mistakes and you know and things like that and. Uh, and got better at it. And so then I decided uh, to do Rage of the Mummy. But it took time because I had done other films that just didn't get off the ground. They uh, sure. they didn't happen. And, and Rage of the Mummy was really kind of an accident that kind of happened. There was another movie I was going to make. Uh, it was mm. called Creepy Island. It was sort oh, of okay. uh, a Goosebumps Oh, that would have been so, that. That would be cool, huh? Yeah, I still have the script. I mean, you know, but I needed about eighty to hundred thousand dollars to do that movie. Okay. Um, I had found some funding. From, for that, there was somebody who was going to greenlight that for me, giving okay. me money. Fortunately, they passed away, oh. and I wasn't able to do it. So, family members and whatever money I had, where I was able to raise twenty three thousand dollars that I needed to just Rage of the Mummy, and that was the budget for that movie. Okay. And oh. I went ahead and did that. It took me about three years, but we finally got it released in November of two thousand eighteen. Nice. And uh, and ever since then, I've been uh, been working. And, uh, you know, I don't do this for a living, you know, because it's, it's really hard Yeah, and it doesn't pay a lot, you know? And, uh, so I've been Uber driving, uh, okay. this last few months or so, and I've been making pretty good. So okay. I should, now this coronavirus has killed a lot of, uh, of, you know, the business opportunity that I would have had right. for, for this. But, uh, so I'm not going to be able to shoot anything this year. Um, I, I'll, what I will be doing though is I, I've been asked to shoot a movie in uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. So I was asked to direct and write uh, a, a movie over there. It's a werewolf movie, which I am actually yes. writing right now. Cool. <laughs> and uh, so I'd already promised to shoot then. So that's the reason I can't shoot even next summer. I'm, I'll be up in Pennsylvania shooting a feature there. So the following year, the 2022, uh, I should be able to pick up. Uh, my mm. next film, which is an anthology film, and it's called oh. Discord, um, but that title will be changed. You know, they're going to use that one, and that one is is uh, they're basically murder mysteries surrounded okay. by supernatural elements. So there's five stories plus the wraparound. Nice. So yeah, any room for Scooby in the game? Um, I'm hoping because I love that movie. You know, it's it's fun. It's not. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty much it's a G rating, you know, for the or at least a PG rating. Yeah, you know? um, it's something that Disney would, you know, around that that kind of you know rating, I would say. Mm. Same thing with actually Rage of the Mummy. The Rage of the Mummy is really a mild uh, kind of feature as well, uh, which was one of the reasons they wanted it because it doesn't have any bad language, there's no nudity, and uh, there's really uh, very little gore in it. Uh, I think there's one scene. Mm. Let me get where he stabs someone with the sword, of course, and uh, pulls it out, and it's got quite a bit of blood. On okay, it. and that was my buddy who wanted it on there. He's like, "No, you need more blood." You know, I'm <laughs> like, oh, "Come on, let's not get crazy." You, you, know? but you can always you can always say that the actor was filled with pomegranate juice. Yeah, you could. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, you know he was he was very well hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just jelly. It's just uh, jelly. Yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, that, so that that movie is is pretty much uh, it wouldn't scare a seven year old. Mm -hmm. um, it's really that inspiration came for that movie came from um, the Abominable Doctor Fives, the Vincent okay. Price film. If you've ever seen that, it's it was that kind of subtle humor. So it's a comedy, but it's not a real hard belly laugh. Mm -hmm. It's just a subtle humor. Yeah, and uh, uh, and and that's really what it was. It's a very simplistic story. Mm -hmm. It's just about a group of occultists who still 
the relics from the mummy's tomb because they yeah. possess powers and they thought they would enable them with powers to use their, their psychic abilities using with these things. But of course, you know, the mummy always has to come back when you take the relics and, you know, take revenge. And this guy chops heads off. So. Uh, it's a mummy with, uh, you know, with a sword, which was the new twist, you know, because most uh -huh. of the mummy movies don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Most so mummies don't articulate very well. They don't really, uh, you know, do they any strangle. of that. They're always strangling or they throw people out windows and stuff like that. They're almost <laughs> like a, a great away from like, you know, your zombie, you know, but you know, probably a little bit more calculating and they have taste. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what that was about. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is, is a totally 180. It, it's just uh, full of, uh, everything you can imagine, you know, <laughs> So that that one's going to be a lot of fun to do. And then this werewolf movie is he he really wants it more like an 80s flick, you know, mm. something in in that genre. Right. So I have that in my head to as far as direction goes, as far as a story it could be anything to, you know, there's really not an 80s story or script writing. Those are all the same. That's why we have, you know, remakes anyway, you know. Yep. The only thing is they change the environment and the language, you know. Yeah. But it's pretty much the essence of the same story. So Yeah. Uh, you're essentially going to be, you know, gathering the the essence of that feel yeah, and that genre. Look, right. I mean, I want more of, it'll probably have more of that look than it will anything right. else, you know, but that's what he's looking You know, saturated colors and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, you know. So. Yeah. When, uh, when I was watching the, the, the trailer for Rage of the Mummy, um, yes. I noticed, uh, you know, and uh, as you mentioned before, you were able to uh, connect with a lot of the, the local talent uh, here in, in Colorado and yeah. Denver. Uh, I noticed, uh, you know, Kevin Ward and, and Richard Taylor and uh, uh, Tarena, uh, you know, was was in there, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, uh, all, you know, local filmmakers, you know, like uh, Richard did uh, Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer uh, a few years ago and, and stuff. You, oh yeah, yeah. You, so you know Richard? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I know yeah, a, a few of those uh, faces in there. There's probably a few more that yeah. If I look closer, I'll, I'll probably recognize. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. We probably met in, in dark alleys. Who knows? Uh, yeah. <laughs> knowing Denver. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, coming back and and uh, being able to to collaborate uh, in there. I mean, yeah, coming from a, a painter's background. To film, mm -hmm. uh, that's quite a quite a leap. But it, it's mm -hmm. it's something that I've been you know, hearing a lot more. I mean, I, I have my own uh, fine art uh, background, and I, I do you know the occasional short film project. And uh, but you, you hear of guys like Taika Waititi, who was a, a, a painter too, and and um, you know decided David that, Lynch was another one. Yeah, David Lynch. That's that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, he went to school for fine arts and yeah. Doing, um, yeah, even Orson Welles did. He he was Ooh. a painter. He was a, a he liked doing actually mostly um, comic not comic books but cartoon characters. He was going to be an illustrator. That's really nice. what he wanted to do. Nice, you know, and that's how he, he ended up in films. <laughs> yeah, we end there. I don't know how we do. <laughs> yeah, there's one end up being filmmakers. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's interesting to see like something like uh, painting, which is so which can be very isolating. You know, you you, get, you, you can do it all by yourself. And then go right. into a medium, another visual medium, but one that requires a large collaboration of different disciplines and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find, uh, yeah, that well, 
actually talking to you for the first time, you're incredibly social. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'd imagine, you know, it probably wasn't, you know, too much of a departure except for, you know, you know just the organizational aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no, actually, it was really a different thing for me. Mm-hmm. I was actually a very shy person. Oh, no kidding. Uh, that all changed when I moved here because uh, I took acting. Uh, oh. The reason I did, yeah, I took acting with Patrick Sheridan. He was a beloved uh, actor and teacher here, coach in Denver. Um, unfortunately, he passed away mm. uh, from colon cancer uh, a few years ago. Uh, but he taught me so much. And, and, and the reason I even took acting at all was because I had interviewed a lot of actors, a lot of them. And one thing they never talked about was their craft. And there was only one person I ever asked about their craft, and and that was um, Brett Halsey. And Brett Halsey was in, uh, God, he was in a Fulici film. I can't remember the name of it now. It, he was a killer in this one. But anyway, he'd done a lot of Westerns. He, he'd been around a lot, you mm-hmm. know, a long time. And I asked him about it. And he was the only one to give me my first lesson in acting, which I thought was really amazing. But... I knew that eventually if I was going to do these narrative pieces that I, I, I didn't know. I was scared of actors. I didn't know what they did. I had hmm. no idea how I was going to direct them to tell them what to do. They knew more what they were doing than I did, you know. So when I took acting, it did two things. It hmm. it, it actually taught me about the, how to work with actors. Okay. And I've been working with them now for a good 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also pulled me out of my shell because I was a very shy person. Extremely oh, okay. shy. And I think that's why I actually became a painter and artist because I would sit in a room, you know, by myself, have my cigarettes. I turn my, my music up and I could just paint to my heart's yeah. content. But then when the day of the opening came and I had to go out there and meet people, I was drinking because okay. it was the only way I could do it. You that, know, I could, I was, that was the icebreaker shaking like a leaf Ooh. because I just couldn't talk to people. Yeah. Um, just to show you how bad it was one year I had won an award. I took a uh, top prize uh, for one of my paintings. Cool. And it was neat because I got to hang actually with uh, Andy Warhol in a Picasso painting uh, oh. a- along with this award. And um, they had, they had it was a, a black tie dinner, mm-hmm. everything. The guy who won second had a prepared speech. He went up there on the podium and gave this long speech about, you know, what he did. And I took the first prize and I went up there and I went, thank you. And I sat down. That was it. <laughs> and the MC comes up and he goes, a man, a few words. Because I was too shy. I, I mean, yeah. I turned bright red. I, yeah. I just couldn't, you know, couldn't do it. Yeah. But after I got through the acting and after I learned to, um, you know, actually have the confidence to direct people and, and you know, direct the 14 people plus a crew and all that, you get out of your shell real quick. Yeah. And you become social, you know, and you start to learn how to work with people because when you work with actors, you're working with different personalities. And mm-hmm. some of me have to hold their hand and get them through the scene. That wasn't yep. true of these actors, but my all, all my actors are really good for Rage of the Mummy. I love them all. I thought that for me, it was one of the features of the film. The, the act, there's not there's not a poor actor among them. They were so good. And I was so good. proud nice. of, of their acting. Uh, it's a it's one of the things that I like about the film. And I think that's one thing that kind of gives it a hallmark that it doesn't look like an amateur film because the acting is good. You can always tell an amateur film when you see the acting is just like really bad. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the worst acting was probably me because I was the mummy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I uh, heard you're stiff. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> 
the thing was is that I had I tried to look at some of Christopher Lee's performances mm -hmm. and you know when he was in the Mummy and some of the mm -hmm. others like Lon Chaney. Yeah. And uh, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, it's mm. amazing how good you have to be when you're not even talking. You're just you know you're just doing mine. Yeah. And my my walking's different each time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, sometimes it looks like I'm going for a stroll. Other times I'm just moving kind of very slow and deadpan. And uh, so I wasn't good at that. <laughs> Is it uh, just kind of like the nuance getting yeah you know, getting those little nuances to uh, pontificate? Um, I, I think it's more of uh, studying what it's like to be in a suit mm. because there's more to it than just. And they did that actually. They learned their you know they, Hollywood did that. They did that a lot. They yeah. would just put the stunt actor in a, in a gorilla suit, right. or put him in a suit, expect him to do it. Yeah. And you know, when you get people like Doug Jones, if you know, Doug Jones, yep. I mean, the guy's wow. amazing. Okay. Yeah. So that's real acting in a costume. And, uh, that's something you really need to study. You know, yeah. something you, there, there is a specific school just to learn how to act within, in a suit, you know, how to mm. do that. So that's something I would have to spend more time doing. I did it because it was convenient yeah. for me to be around because I was available. Right. Um, now I'm better as an actor, you know, without makeup on, and I'm just there, yeah. you know, doing a one-on-one. -on -one. But as a, a the moment, that that was, I think that was too much for me. <laughs> well, but I yeah. did okay. I pulled it off. Directing in that costume too that that must not yeah, have been yeah. that easy. No, it wasn't. There's pictures of me in the suit with the camera. <laughs> it just, it's they're funny scenes, but yeah. But you have to do it, you know. And, and that film just taught me how to make a narrative. I, I just wanted to see. Can I do a decent production? Can I really mm -hmm. do this? But it, it did. It taught me a lot about lighting, taught me a lot about working with crew, taught me about uh, things that I thought were really important turned out not to be important. <laughs> things mm. that I didn't think were important are really important. Sure. You know, So um, I learned a lot uh, making that film. So I think um, I'm really prepared for my next one. You know, and, I, and that's the reason I kept it really simple. Yeah. Because if I had to do some really strong, dramatic scenes, I would be there too much wrapped up. I, I was worried more about technical yeah, learning lighting and, and you know making sure I was getting the, you know the best audio I could and and um, you know that kind of thing just just making sure that the production went smooth right uh, and but but most of the, the time that it took me to do that was really in um, all the uh, second unit production work you know the principal work was actually done probably one summer we did okay. it all like in about two and a half months I got everyone. That I needed. The rest of them were just the cutaways of the mummy alone. So those I shot on my own. A lot of those shots I didn't have any help. I did it myself. I, wow. I put the lighting, uh, like, uh, and I did it myself. I, but I had to do about seventy-five takes. So I got made sure I was in focus and I yeah. was my mark and you know, <laughs> all those things. You, know. you you really learn a lot, like you know, like that, putting yourself through the the ropes uh, as as you did. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing like you know, baptism by fire if, if you're going to learn how to do it you might as well jump in yeah it's true i mean that, that's the thing about film like I, you know I, I learned a lot like even as a painter I, mm. I remember there was times where i learned so much about painting before i even put the first stroke on the canvas and yeah. you can't do that because it's like there's got to be a time you just got to jump in because the best teacher is actually experience right and and that's really what happened as even though i had been working on i mean countless films here in denver countless independent small you know um features uh, shorts that we had mm -hmm. done um it, they weren't mine but when i actually had the chance to do my own that you really do learn a lot yeah um, it's easy to sit on the sidelines and criticize but when you're in that seat it's not that easy no <laughs> it's, looks, it's not it's call action and cut but it's not like that there's more to it you got to be able to contribute more than what actors would have already been doing 
Mm-hmm. So if you weren't there and you just somebody just called action, the actors would already do their lines, even you know, and all that. But a director really needs to do more than that. You right. need to contribute more. You need to be there to support uh, the performance and be able to be there as a guide, you know, and and really have control of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, you need to contribute more than than the just say action or cut. And and when you can do that, then that's you know. That's really what you learn. You learn to do at least to be an efficient director. You know that's what you need to do. I, I think that's some uh, tremendous uh, you know insight. Um, I want to take the moment. To-